I just like American beer, like Coors Light. And I'm like, guys, that shit's Canadian. Yeah, or they're like, they're like, I just like American beer, like Bud Light. I'm like, that shit's Brazilian, guys. It's like, this shit is made right down the block from where you live. This is Texas beer. And Texans love Texans things. Like, they just love shit from Texas. You could shit on a, like, you just shit a turd out and put made in Texas, and Texans would buy it. And you just heard from James from Sock Dolliger Brewing on this week's episode of Brew Roots. The Brew Roots Podcast is proudly affiliated with the Mass Brew Bros. Be sure to check out their website to stay up to date with all Mass Beer related news. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Brew Roots, where we tell the stories behind your favorite beer. This is Sound Guy Ryan, and joining me today is Just Matt. That's me. I'm Just Matt. Follow me on Instagram, Just Matt. <laughs> Just kidding. Don't follow me on Instagram because that's not my real name. Yeah, we don't have Erica today. We had some change of plans and, you know, we accommodated what she needed to do. So yeah. here we are, just Matt and I doing the intro for this week's guest. Who is it, Ryan? Sock Dolliger. That's right. I just couldn't say it because I'm not as educated as Ryan. Uh, I don't even know if I said it right that time. I had a real hard time saying it <laughs> <laughs> before we interviewed them. Um, but who did but- we interview last week, Ryan? Uh, so we did anonymous brewing. Anonymous. That's what I just said. Yeah. I literally just said that. No, you said anonymous. No, I did not. Uh, I think you did. No, maybe that's my like Boston accent kind of coming out. Try it one more time. Anonymous. 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 You're just killing it. I'm killing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, that was a fun interview, and Raleigh, Massachusetts, own. I was pumped. I loved listening to that interview because um, I wasn't there for it. So learning yeah. about it um, was really, really cool. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm really looking forward to whatever plans he has coming forward. I know he's going through kind of a transition phase right now, uh, but I know as soon as he gets back up and running, you know, look out because he's, everything he does is just kick ass. Yeah. Um, and his new brew house looks really, really sexy. Yeah. Yeah. So there's been some weird things going on in Massachusetts, and I know if you guys are not Massachusetts-based um, listening, um, you might want to just hit the plus 30, but it's it's interesting because maybe your state will be impacted like this soon. But um, our governor has issued, um, has kind of rolled back some regulations in Massachusetts, um, and that's affecting some of our favorite beer gardens and breweries um, going on. So if you do not have a kitchen on site. Um, or food that isn't chips or pretzel. Specifically. You know, yeah. Like snacks, like little appetizers. Yeah. Um, you will not be able to just provide alcohol on, on site. Correct. Like the, I want to say, I don't know if it's like down to the bill, like yeah. when you get the bill, but when you order alcohol, you have to have some sort of a so it, food. It has to be to the best of my knowledge and um, things are changing. So by the time this gets released, um, things might've changed. Yeah. Um, we're getting to this pretty fresh into the, the news. Um, you have to order at least on your first round. And you don't have to order in succession. Um, And it can't be, like you mentioned, pretzels. So I just want to know what changed from last week um, where food makes you more safe. Well, that's just it. It makes no sense to me that me consuming a beer or let's say I'm at a restaurant and I'm having a Jack and Coke, right? 
what is the difference of me ordering and consuming those things if I'm on premise ordering a cheeseburger and eating that cheeseburger? Yeah. Literally no difference. I really don't understand it. Yeah. And you know what? Fortunately for us, we are not paid to understand it. No, we but are not. <laughs> I can tell you I'm not happy about it. Yeah. Um, it just seems kind of like it's unsupported by science. Like, I don't know. Well, like, there's so many businesses that have poured so much money into making it safe. And our breweries mm-hmm. are definitely, 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 definitely 100% doing that. Um, it's like, it, it's... I don't know. It's like a slap in the face. It really is a slap in the face. You know, they do all this work, you know, doing what the government said or the state said. And then now um, it's like, oh, sorry, you can't do that anymore. You have, you know, you have to do all of this stuff. Um, Yeah, I I just I don't get it. I really don't get it. Yeah, same. It's just it's, it's really unfortunate. I forget what I was going to say. No, it's all right. I I, I don't want to harp on it too much. It's definitely a big thing going on, and I think things will, will change. And knowing how innovative the brewing community is, um, it's going to be a... It's going to be a roadblock. I'm not going to cherry coat it. it but, it's going to be a roadblock. But I, I think that uh, how innovative the brewing community is, um, especially here in Massachusetts, um, you know, we'll get through it. It won't be easy, but... Yeah, you know, and I, I, I think I remember what I was going to say is like the roadblock, right? So most of these places don't have kitchens, right? So a lot of them are getting food trucks. But think of this, like the grand scheme of things is how many food trucks can you have at the brewery to be opened during your normal business hours for people to consume on premise, right? So let's say a food truck rolls up. How soon are they going to run out of food? Yeah. Fairly quick. Yeah. So it's, right, and then they have to shut their doors. Yeah. So yeah, they have to shut their doors in order, and then to wait for the next food truck to come. Right. Like what? What's going on? Yeah. Like, it, you can't. You feasibly cannot plan for any of this. Yeah. Like logistically, it, I, I, I hat, hats off. Yeah. I hats sh- off. And, and you know what? Um. And if we are miseducated about this and maybe not explaining it correctly, I definitely encourage anyone out there, info at brewroots.com, please send us an email. And I would I would invite you to come and join us via Zoom uh, for our next episode. And maybe you can explain the situation, A, a little bit better, or B, give me a counter ar- argument of why it's a good thing. Because Yeah, absolutely. Um, granted, I haven't done as much research as I would have liked to for this um, yeah. because it came pretty unexpectedly. Really unexpectedly. Um, I think what I've read in, in talks with some of, you know, the people in the industry, and I don't want to name names because I don't want to get anyone in trouble. Um, you know, everyone thinks it's the bullshit. <laughs> yeah. A little bit, you know? You know, it's really funny, too. Like, you say that, but I also haven't seen a lot of, you know, backlash in, you know, people going against it in the brewing community. Like, no, no. I'm, f- I'm just saying I think everyone universally is like, really? Another thing? Like, come on. Yeah. yeah. Well, I would just, you know, I would expect when something like this comes out, people to be more, you know, forward and, and straight with it being like, really? Like, yep. this is stupid. You know, there's a couple, you know, people in the brewing community that I can think of that are, you know, uh, people look up to them that did speak out somewhat about it um but there wasn't as many as i thought there would be yeah 
Well, yeah, we're gonna just have to wait and see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like like I said earlier, we gotta just trust that our the breweries around here that they're so innovative. I I really do believe that everything's gonna be, you know, as good as they can be. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll see what happens. Yep. So yep. in good news. So there's there good news. <laughs> there's good news. Um, brewers await vote on distribution deal. So we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago about mm-hmm. the mass brewers. Um, you know, they were fighting to have that distribution law where yep. you can, if you're a small microbrewery, you can get out of your distribution deal with no, with no questions asked, basically. So um, last month, the sides re- reached an agreement to give small breweries more flexibility and back a legislation proposal to establish that they say is fair process on resolving disputes. The Senate approved the deal 40 to 0 two weeks ago, but the House of Representatives haven't taken it up yet. Sam Hendler, brewery of the Mass president of the mass brewers guild and lead negotiator of the deal said he is hopeful that the house will approve the settlement and send it to government ba- charlie bakers for consideration we're on the one yard line basically what they yeah. said so um it looks like it's going to be having happening so this is all in response to microbreweries like struggling amid the economical follow from corona so um his argument is if we don't shit or get off of the pot like some of those microbreweries might not be around yeah no so, absolutely uh, it's pretty interesting. So just wait and see. I hope that you know by next week we are reporting that this deal went through. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, especially nowadays, like yep. having someone that has your back yep. is so important um, because a lot of these breweries are making some money. You know, not a lot, but they are making some money yep. um, with their distributors. Yeah. So you know? basically, under this new deal, breweries that produce less than twenty five thousand barrels, which is a ton. <laughs> in a year would allow would be allowed to terminate their wholesale contract by giving 30 days notice and paying fair market value for their brand rights brewers would have to buy back their wholesales inventory and promotional materials among other requirements which is way better than what's going on right now absolutely yep. i mean it's still like when you think about it that's a lot of money to do yep. that but at the end of the day you know you could make way more money yep yep yeah so i mean this goes to say the breweries need the ability to be flexible during when shit hits the fan. Yeah. So if they're noticing yeah. that more sales are happening through their tap room, they need the flexibility. And yeah. 30 days should be fingers crossed enough for that. And I think yeah. that's I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and I, I think you you nailed it on the head is that flexibility yeah. is key during all of this because yeah. who knows what will happen tomorrow or the day after, the week after, the month after. You have to be flexible, and you need to be allowed to be flexible. And I think that's where it is right now, is that a lot of these breweries aren't allowed to be flexible. Um, I got most of that information from uh, Christian M. Wade, who's a statehouse reporter for the Gloucester Daily Time. So I'm going to post a link to that in the bio for the episode, so you guys can get a read on it. Um, It's pretty interesting. And, like, shout-out to Ray Pickup of Rockport. Like, his beer is front and center on the picture. So Amazing. Amazing. I've been crushing. Which one? Hatchet? It's hatchet, yeah. Which Excellent. Which is coming back. I know. I saw that. Yeah. So what have you been drinking? Oh, man. What haven't I been drinking? Well, that's um, a problem. It, you know what? I might have a problem. But no, I don't have a problem. I'm Not just con- I'm just consistent. That's what I like to say. Um, so I had the Gilded Skull um, Water Snake. Uh, which was absolutely amazing. Um, you know, I picked up a few different things um, at the uh, Georgetown Liquors today uh, before I came here. It, Matt Smith apparently made a delivery today 
at Georgetown Liquors of uh, Melody Maker. So I was walking around, you know, looking for new beers. And, you know, I picked up a couple Mighty Squirrel. Um, and then I picked up uh, a Melody Maker. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to have to put one of these beers back because I really want Melody Maker. Um, and one of the guys who worked there was like, hey, man, have you heard uh, anything about uh, Wandering Soul? And I'm like, showed him the six pack of the four pack. And he was like, oh, no shit. Where'd you get that? I'm like, right over here. He's like, I've been looking for that all day to price out. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I found it for you. You know, I was the first one who bought it. Yeah. That day. Definitely won't be the um, last one word gets around because it's oh, a good damn it's beer. A great beer. Yeah. So, yeah, Georgetown Liquors has Melody Maker. And I know they want to try to get basically anything he has um, in that store, which yeah. I don't blame him. Um, I've been drinking Water Snakes from yeah. Gilded Skull. Isn't it great beer? Yeah. Great. Yeah. Everything Gilded Skulls do, does is good. And for me, not being a huge double New England style IPA fan and drinking that, I drank it on the beach. I did two things that I really don't do very often. Go to the beach. I and, hate the beach. Yeah. Fuck sand. Right? Yeah. I mean, so many people love it, but whatever. And uh, drinking a double New England style IPA, which is not on brand for me. No, it isn't. But that's okay. We're evolving, Ryan. We are evolving. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, New England. speaking of New England IPA, I had, um, hmm, who did I have? It was a session New England IPA. Bentwater, I think. Nice. I had a Bentwater. I think it was like a, no, it wasn't a session IPA. It was a New England pale ale. That's what it was. Cool. Um, that was really good. And then today I picked up uh, one of Mighty Squirrel's Session IPAs. Nice. Um, excellent. 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 So cool. Yep. So you're going to, our listeners today, you, the listeners. You. You, the listeners, are going to get um, a look into the Texas beer scene. We talked quite a bit about the mass beer scene, and we have have for most episodes, pretty much all of the episodes. Pretty much. Um, but... We um, went down, well, we didn't. We virtually went down through the interwebs to uh, Aberdeen. Aberlin. 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 Aberlin, Texas. Aberlin. Yeah. We went down. Aberlin. 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 So we were able to go down to Texas thanks to the awesome technology here at Small Pond Studios. Our friend Jazz was able to hook us up. even at a social distance. So Ryan and I, if you look at any of our photos, are six feet apart. And I feel wicked safe here because Jazz makes sure that you guys are safe here. But if you are a um, recording artist, if you are a podcaster, if you're a spoken word artist, uh, check out Small Pond Studios. It's smallpondstudios.io. Correct. Smallpondstudios.io. Um, and you can find out what they're doing. They had an awesome band the last two weeks on their live streams on Saturdays and I cannot wait to see what's next for them. And hopefully some of the bands that I know make it down to Small Pond because I would love to see, um, you know, the the web the webcast that he does for some of the bands that I love. Yeah, no, the live stream that he does is legit. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm here every, every live stream now. And it's, you know, it's a blast, you know, not only to, you know, meet the people, but the, the quality of music that's coming out of here is legit. No, yeah. no doubt. It's kind of like the the local watering hole. Like you don't know what to expect. And it's like, wow, yeah, that's some good stuff, yeah. right? So, Ryan, we went to Sockdolager. 
Sock Dolliger. That's correct. And uh, it was a fun episode. This guy was awesome. Yeah. Like he was really down to earth. He was like, "Yeah, I like, was. Pumped. This is how it is." Yeah. Yep. I had a lot of fun, and no, I think a- you guys will too, because you learn a lot about the Texas beer scene and Texas being like. You know, you could fit 37 Massachusettts in Texas, um, and Massachusetts still has more beer scenes, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. What I thought was really interesting about Texas, which he, in, you know, mentions in the episode, is there's multiple, diff- there's multiple different parts of Texas, you know, that are completely different. They think completely different than um, others, right? So you have different views on craft beer in mm-hmm. the state of Texas, which is just bizarre to think about because Massachusetts is for the most part the same. Like everyone's like craft beer is craft beer and this is how we want to do it. Yeah. Right. It gets down to like micro at that point. Yeah, for sure. You know, Texas, it's like Mac multiple macro views of craft beer. Yeah. Well, before we give away too much before the episode, uh, major shout out to James for taking the time out to do that. Um, and I, I definitely appreciate it. So, um, I guess we'll take it away. We have a little bit of words from our awesome sponsors and uh we'll catch you on the outro you'll definitely want to hear about the outro until next week cheers Cheers. hey sound guy ryan here didn't know if you heard but we're a part of the hopped up network there you'll find other informative podcasts about beer so go ahead follow them on social media and visit them on their website hoppedupnetwork.com to learn more about the people beer and breweries from around the country And until next time, thanks for listening. Cheers. This week's episode would not be possible without our amazing sponsor, Shirts on Tap. Each month, they team up with breweries from across the country and create a custom shirt and deliver it to your doorstep, along with stickers and coupons. Sign up today using the promo code BREWROOTS for $5 off your first box. Head on over to shirtsontap.com today. And remember, drink better beer, wear better shirts. At our local homebrew shop, Beer and Wine Hobby, you can get everything you need to make beer, wine, cider, and cheese. Not sure where to start? The knowledgeable staff at Beer and Wine Hobby are there to help. Beer and Wine Hobby is family-owned and located in Danvers, Massachusetts. To learn more about them, check out their website, www.beer-wine.com. Don't forget to use our promo code BREWROOTS for 10% off your online order today. Cheers. Cheers. What's up, everybody? We are here in Massachusetts, not in Texas, where our interview is taking place. And we just actually found out there's... Over 300 breweries in the, the, the state of Texas. Seems like there should be more than that. There should That's be like way the more. biggest freaking yeah. state. Right? The, well, the craziest part is we are, as far as like number of breweries, we're like in the top 10. But as far as numbers of breweries per You're like capita, 46 or something. Yeah, we're in the <laughs> bottom 10. So, <laughs> um, And we went, uh, we reached out to a ton of breweries. And you just happened to be the first one to respond back. So. Oh, cool early bird catches the worm and who is this fine fellow well this is james oh that's cool hi james i know that i said the brewery's (laughs) name correct before sock dolliger sock Sock dolliger hard g Uh, 
Okay. Ryan, that was almost the only time. <laughs> that was like close, though. Yeah, that was said like, anything right. That was the first well, time you almost said something right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> In anything you've ever done. Classic yeah. Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. James is a fan. James he must already know. knows. Dude, he's already hopped on um, the train. But Yikes. Um, we're excited because I really, I've been down to, to Dallas, I've been down to Austin, and I really dig the whole Texas vibe. And, and we talked about it a little bit. Texas is like four different states mashed into one big state with, you know, different ideologies going around and different, you know, different lifestyle and everything. Um, you guys are in Alberlin. Did I say that correctly? Abilene. 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 I, I, I knew that. I just was testing James if he knew. <laughs> um, and what's what's Abilene like? Uh, it's small. It's uh, like standard West Texas. We're like a larger West Texas town. Uh, it's still... Uh, I don't know, whatever time... Whatever, if, if y'all are living in 2020, Abilene is like still in the early 2000s. Like, okay. it's just you guys still have 10, MP3 players. <laughs> we've got all the technology. It's just that everything, everything is like ten years behind here. Like, if something cool happens in about ten years, we'll get it. Nice. It's like uh, Australia. Yeah, it's just like a little vacuum out here. Uh, <laughs> it just you come here, you stay here, uh, which is kind of like the narrative for this town. Is there's three universities. Uh, a military base, one of the largest military bases uh, or air force bases in the nation. Uh, so, like, we've got 160,000 people here, which I know isn't a lot for up there in the Northeast. But, like, out know. here in Texas, it's a pretty big town for West Texas. Um, but, like, people come here, they try to leave, we end up staying here. Here we are. <laughs> I came here for a graduate degree in history, and now I own a brewery here. So, here we are. Yeah. Nice. So, James, we got a little bit of history of Texas, but I want to get a little bit of history of you. We start every podcast typically by asking <laughs> um, your role at the brewery and your first memory of beer. Um, my role at the brewery is I am one of the owners and I am the head brewer. Uh, kind of the only, I'm the only brewer. I say I'm head brewer, but I'm not head over anyone. Um <laughs> I have exactly one Sellerman employee, uh, and he's just starting to hang out with me on brew days. Nice. And kind of le- learn the ropes, um, which I'm very, very excited about. Uh, and then, first memory of beer. Uh, I can remember my dad coming home with a kegerator, like a kegerator machine when I was, I must have been six or seven or eight. Uh and my mom was like, what is this for? And I can remember my dad's like, well, like, this is going to be so much cheaper for me to drink from. I'll just buy, <laughs> I'll just buy kegs at a time. Yeah. And like thinking like, ah, oh, my friends are going to think this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> my dad has beer in like, just like the restaurants here. Uh, so yeah, that's probably my earliest memory is my dad coming home, like justifying to my mother that the reason we have it is because it is going to be cheaper for him to drink. No. Yes. Was it actually cheaper, or did he never use well, it? I guess, like, just being in the industry, like you, like, just objectively know, like, if you go and buy a thirty rack of Miller Lite, which is what my dad drinks, uh, and he has since evolved now that his son is an owner and a brewer, <laughs> he drinks mostly craft beer now. He tries to support small him. local breweries. Good for him. Uh, 
But back in those days, he was really killing it on the Miller Lite. Mm. <laughs> he sold Miller Lite. He drank Miller Lite. That's that's that. It was his is what he did. And so, like objectively, like you look back at, like, all right, yeah, it's twenty five dollars for a thirty rack, and he gets one hundred and fifty beers for. $119? Like, yeah, that math yeah. works out. Yeah, yeah. It checks sure. out. For sure. So he actually used it. It wasn't one of those dad purchases that, like, no, sat, sat in, the, in corner. the corner. Oh, no, he used it. Nice. nice. Yeah. So you kind of grew up in the industry, in a sense? You said your dad sold Miller Lite? Yeah, my, my dad started selling beer uh, a lot, I mean, forever ago. And he just left the beer industry and now works for the Georgia Lotto. Uh, I, I grew up in Savannah, Georgia. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, so I kind of grew up outside of the Texas culture and moved out here about 10 years ago. Actually, exactly 10 years ago yesterday. Oh, wow. Happy um, anniversary. Yeah. yeah right? <laughs> let's, right? all, let's all drink one for that one. Yeah, thank you. Pour one out <laughs> for Texas. Uh, <laughs> I just happened to finish my beer, and it was like the perfect timing to do that. So. Perfect. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, I uh, grew up over there. My dad, like, like I said, just left the, the beer industry. Uh I don't know, maybe six months ago. Wow. Where, like just before COVID. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was the original plan for you? You mentioned a, history, a graduate degree in history. Um, yeah. What, did, what, what was the original plan? And then how did you kind of fall back into brewery? Not fall or back, fall but forward, forward into Come brewery. On. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah so like it just kind of kind of happened. Uh, I don't know. I came out here to... to uh, Get my graduate degree uh, in church history um, and just decided, like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> uh, I was seven years deep in school, uh, looking wow. around the corner to start five more years for a PhD. And I was like, Jeez. I don't want to do this. <laughs> uh, homebrewed with some friends in college and was kind of a beer nerd in college and kind of got out of it during graduate school. And so I quit, I quit academia. And then got this job, this beer bar here in town that just opened. It's kind of like a foundational beer establishment in Abilene called Barley Hopper's Draft House. Nice. I was just sitting in there drinking a beer one day, and uh, the woman who owned it, Priscilla, was like, hey, I need someone to work tonight. You hang out here a lot. You seem to know a fair amount about beer. Do you want to work tonight? (laughs) (laughs) So I said, sure. Uh, so I, she trained me in like 30 minutes. I was like, all right, I'll be back at 10 to help you close. And I was like, cool. All right. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so I started working there. Um, kind of re-fell in love with beer. That was seven years ago, wow. six years ago. Um, but through that establishment, I kind of re-fell in love with beer, started brewing again. I got my uh, certified beer server certificate, uh, my certified Cicerone uh badge um in the meantime was kind of homebrew with some friends and they just were like hey we're thinking about starting a brewery and we'd really like you to join <laughs> and i was like you know the kind of thing like when friends like we should totally start this business and you're like right. oh, yeah that's that sounds fun and then i don't know like eight months later we're I don't know, forty thousand dollars deep in equipment, oh, and I was like, "I guess we're doing this. Like, I this guess we're real. actually doing this." Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I just kind of, kind of stumbled into it, and uh, while we were home brewing, we had a bunch of friends, like friends do, tell you, "You should totally open a brewery." <laughs> uh, of <laughs> and course. We were stupid and- enough to listen. <laughs> 
Um, you mentioned in college you were kind of a craft beer nerd. What, what do you remember drinking? Um, what do you remember being your first craft and kind of falling in love with it? Uh, my first craft that I was like, holy shit, I really like this beer, was uh, Victory's Golden Monkey. Okay, uh, I've had that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's kind of a, like a, a really old brand. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's an OG sure. brand, yeah. Like 2008, 2007, <laughs> I can remember the East Point Corner Tavern where I went to college in Atlanta put it on and i was like that's a fun looking tap handle i let's do it i'll have one she was like it's nine percent and i was like i'll have two (laughs) Uh, because it was on sale because it was not selling at this establishment Uh, so i think it was like four dollars a pint holy Uh, shit and i was like yeah i'll have one (laughs) i took (laughs) a sip and i was like i was like this is incredible um i love this and so i after that i remember uh Learning that we had bars in, in Abilene that just, or not Abilene, Atlanta, that specialized in craft beer. And I just started going around to like the Porter Ale House and places like that and just trying a bunch of, I don't know, weird beers that my, a bunch of friends thought were stupid. <laughs> um, and so we started kind of home brewing, kind of uh, a little background. I went to like a private Christian liberal arts school, which like drinking was like totally okay. Like they didn't give a shit about that. Uh, it was a very liberal. Um, that sounds like an all right place school. to be. Yeah, like they didn't give a shit. They're just like, just don't do it on <laughs> campus. They're like, as don't long as you're dumb. not on campus, we don't care. Um, nice. But we were we were fermenting beer on campus. <laughs> we were not drinking it on campus, but we were fermenting it and yes. like, nice. I guess essentially like bootlegging it off of campus uh, yes. to parties because we. Why not? It's way cheaper than buying beer. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, uh, that's kind of where I, I got started. Was just kind of like nerding out, uh, nerding out about this first beer that I had, and you know, I, I'm kind of the guy that kind of just goes down like hobby wormholes, and when I go in, I go in. Yeah. Definitely, so just, it just kind of pulled me in. All what the was way. your uh, favorite beer to homebrew? Um. I mean, a lot of, a lot of times I was, especially in college, we were just like, what can we get the most bang for our buck out of, which was like, how much alcohol can we get for the least amount of money? (laughs) So (laughs) so that when we go to a party, like it's just, it just is what it is. Yep. Yep. (laughs) It was completely economical. Yeah. Um, So a lot of it was just Belgian, a lot of Belgian stuff that, We knew we didn't have to worry about fermenting it in a, a damn dorm closet or apartment <laughs> closet. Right, right. Uh, and it would come out fairly decent and you know, high ABV. Wait. Yeah, high ABV, <laughs> decent beer. Right, right. Our friends would say, "Hey, this is different and fun," and they drink one, and then they wouldn't drink any more of our beer the rest of the party. Cool. <laughs> yeah. That is cool. They go back to the Genesee cream ale that they were drinking. Mm. <laughs> Which isn't a terrible beer. I'm just going to throw it it's out not, there. It's, it's not, not the worst you know? beer. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I go home, I bring back Genesee cream ale here to my friends. And they're probably like, oh, this beer's dope. Yeah, they're like, and they're like, this is amazing. I'm like, yeah, I paid $16 for 30 of these guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So when you started homebrewing, like, when did you realize that you caught the bug? Like, I need to just keep doing this and doing this and doing this. Uh, so like when I really, really fell in love with like the, the process of brewing, I remember we were homebrewing in the, in 
uh, my business partner, Alex Nicolato, his garage. Um, and we were out of kegs to put beer in, but I wanted to brew the next day. And we had <laughs> a, a keg that was probably like three quarters, just like a corny keg that was like three quarters full. And I was like, guys, this beer is done. And I want to put it in the keg so that we can have this beer in the garage for next week for friends. And they were like, yeah, we should, we, we need to do that. I was like, but we're out of kegs. <laughs> uh, uh, and so uh, I was like, so here's my pitch. Like, let's just call some friends over and let's just drink this keg of this American wheat. Yes. And they were like, oh, yeah, we can totally do that. <laughs> so <laughs> me and Alex and two or three other friends, yeah, Nick and Will and maybe one, one or two other people started drinking the keg. And I can remember being picked up to being like to go home. But that was it. And I was like, the next day, I was like, man, I've got a problem that I just like obliterated myself <laughs> just so I would have an empty cake. To clean. <laughs> just you so I know. Could clean it. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, and I was like, it's not the drink. Like, I, it's not like I, the drinking is not the problem. It's the making <laughs> it's it that the was the break. problem. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's just a It became, it was a necessity that evening. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's funny. That's, That's too cool. funny. Um, do you remember? the moment where your friends approached you and said, Hey, I want to do this business. Um, were there any reservations, any voice in the back of your head saying do this or, or don't do this, you know? And, and did anyone give you any kind of guidance to say like, you're, you're young, you should fuck it. You should do this. Uh, yeah, I don't know that. I, was, I mean, I guess I was young. I was, uh, 24 or 25 at the time. Uh, now I was 25 or 26. Uh, we were actually all hanging out at the on, the only other functioning brewery in Abilene right now, <laughs> uh, Pappy Slocum. And there, uh, shout out to Pappy. Is there? Yeah. Good buddies. Good, <laughs> good buddies of ours. Uh, they actually just a little sidebar. When we bought all of our equipment, we didn't have a building to put it in, oh, and they had excess space in their building. They're like, just set it in here. So all like right. they stored our they stored our equipment for six months for free. And oh it, wow! Like, they were super awesome about it. Yes. Um, Beer industry at its finest. Yeah, yeah so seriously. Shout, shout out to Pappy's. Definitely. Um, we were hanging out there, and they were like, hey, we want to do this. And I kind of laughed, like, nah. Like, <laughs> they're like, no, like, we're serious. Like, we brew together. We have fun together. Like, it seems like we have got a pretty good thing. Uh, Alex and uh, Nick had been talking about it for a while. And I had just been showing up on brew days and hanging out. and like, hey, we should do this. What about this recipe? What about this recipe? And then kind of... I guess not like taking over it, but I was like, <laughs> Hey, I have a lot of ideas. Right. Uh, right. So they just kind of followed suit with brew days and they were like, Hey, we really like you to kind of spearhead this juncture of it. Um, as far as like making the beer. And I was like, this kind of sounds ideal, like the ideal life for me. Yeah. Um, so no, I, just, I didn't even ask my wife. I was like, yeah, sure. Hell yeah. <laughs> We're doing it. <laughs> and I, I remember coming home and I was like, hey, so some buddies want to open a brewery and like, uh, I kind of want to do it with them. And, I, and she was like, yeah, we could talk about that. And I was like, ah, I, told, I already told them yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yes. But at that point, like we had like literally nothing in it. Like it was just, right. like, it was just an idea in our, in, in our brains. <laughs> So at that point, that's pretty low stakes. Yeah, uh, definitely. What year round was that? For you guys? Uh, late 2015, early 2016. Wow. Uh, and then 
it probably took us a year, year and a half to get open after that. Was it tough getting open in Texas? Or like a lot, a lot of hurdles to get past with that, or? Uh, no, uh, it was relatively smooth. Yeah, uh, it's one of those things like they're pretty as as long as you can give TBC the money they tell you you're supposed to give them. They don't. <laughs> they don't really care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot of like like reporting and numbers and stuff like that. You've got to be pretty strict on on stuff like that. Um, but for the most part, it's like you want you want a license. Will you give us the money for the license? Cool. Here's your license. <laughs> nice. Uh, so it wasn't there wasn't like a whole lot of I don't know stipulations on getting yeah. this license. If you would give them the three thousand dollars it takes to get a Rupab license, then you can have a Brewpub license. Right. Yeah, that isn't always uh, true up this way. You know, we always hear horror yeah. stories like, oh, you didn't put a period after this word, uh, so uh, <laughs> it's going to be another year. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's a lot of paperwork, but it's yeah. all pretty pretty standard paperwork. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, once you, once you get it, like we're, we're renewing right now our license because we have to renew every two years. Uh, and it's just as simple as just i don't know pencil whipping some paper and cutting a check like okay so you know with these friends that you were kind of starting this with are any of them still in the business today or yeah, absolutely uh awesome yeah nikki's been around since the beginning uh his name is alex nicolato he's in the air force here he's still active duty oh wow uh, so i think we've gone six months without him here one time when he was deployed, which Alex, thank you for your service. Yes, um, And then uh, Nick Bannock was also Air Force, but he, also, he had to move away. He got restationed, um, which does a little hitch in the giddy up. Yep. Uh, but a good buddy of mine uh, or of ours, Will, uh, uh, slipped right in, swooped in, and took his place. Um, and then we have. Uh, Two investors uh, that are owners with us, investor owners. Yep. So we were fortunate enough to be like, hey, we have a dream, and here's our business plan. And we were fortunate enough to find investors who, th- who thought, this is a good business plan. We will give you money for it. Yeah, that's really... <laughs> <So>. Yes. <laughs> um, did you find that the city was supportive of doing this, or were they kind of apprehensive to doing that? Uh, no, the city was really, really supportive. Abilene is one of those towns that, I don't know, probably for the better part of uh, my tenure here was always, like, always on the edge of being a cool little town. Um, Like, just right there. It just didn't have the people who were willing to take the jumps to, uh, I guess, develop it like it needed to be developed. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Pappy's kind of led the way and opened a brewery. we followed behind them. We've got friends that have opened restaurants and bars, and uh, it all just kind of, kind of fell into place where we're actually we were on Forbes like top ten cities for millennials to move to this year. Damn. Uh, Damn. So it was like, <laughs> I don't know, it's it, it'd be really hard to bring a millennial here and say like, don't you want to move here? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but if they like sat down and thought about it, like. And looked at Abilene's like low cost of living and opportunities for jobs and I don't know yada yada yada. Yeah, uh, important things. Abilene's yeah, important things like Abilene is like moving <laughs> forward really really fast. Like we're gotcha. 
that 10 year gap that I talked about. I was about is, to say, it's <laughs> shrinking. Yeah, it's, it's shrinking precipitously, <laughs> uh, which is really cool as a business owner to see here that the community is buying in and supporting um, and is just ready, ready to become our, our own thing. We're not, we're tired of saying, no, you could just go to Dallas or Fort Worth to do the cool things you want to do. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of people saying, no, we could just do cool things here. Well, it's possible you're saying you're about two hours from the closest big city. So it's really... Yeah. No, like that's kind of hard to well not hard to do I guess but it's not ideal right so why not kind so, of make it your own thing take whatever you think is a long drive <laughs> two and a half hours and okay. re <laughs> like reframe that for Texans as like someone who's from outside of Texas yeah two hours is just a quick little jump guys like <laughs> right people don't right. people do not think twice about driving to Fort Worth and back in a day like just going over there having lunch doing some shopping and driving back wow see like, for me it's, it's just, like that's a weekend like yeah I'm gonna go to, to Vermont that's two hours away I'm doing that for a weekend yeah. I had some friends <laughs> who almost sold me on a four-hour trip overnight trip to Oklahoma City and back like Friday oh my God. leave at five o'clock get to Oklahoma City, hang out for a little bit that night, hang out for a little bit the next day, and then drive four hours back the next day. Oh, because in Texas, like, two hours is nothing, guys. Like, that's, it's fucking nothing. That's crazy. Yeah. I can't even fathom. Probably because you're still in the same state. Like, it's not even a big yeah. deal. Our mindset just is just so going. different up here in New England. Two yeah. hours, you're in five different states. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My wife and I drive home to Savannah, like, once a year. Uh, How long and the longest, is that? So like the longest hours? part of our trip, eight hours of it, is getting out of Texas. Holy shit! So eight hours Half just to get out of Texas. Just to get out of Texas. That's so wow. crazy. <laughs> yeah, we wild. could drive through all of Massachusetts in eight hours. <laughs> oh, more than but, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah like do whole, it like three times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's say I could get from Savannah to DC in eight hours. Yeah. That's so wow. cool. That's nuts. It's so it's so crazy to think of that. It's like Texas being so big. Um, you were saying earlier over three hundred breweries, so congratulations on that. That's a huge milestone for, for mm -hmm. Tate for state. Um, where before I'm sure if you even look at three years ago it was probably less than a hundred. Yeah, it's uh kind of exploded out here, especially in places like Houston, Austin and Dallas. Um, Austin being kind of the epicenter of it all. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, Austin is kind of like a, like a Denver or Portland, like where yeah. if you spit, you're going to hit a, you're going to hit a brewery. Yeah. And the crazy part, like in towns like that is like there, there is no bad beer there. There may be 50 breweries in Austin or more. They're all good though. But yeah. they're all good. Like they're all making pretty bangerang beer. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And I think that just lends to, like, people worry about, especially in towns like Abilene, like, we're about to have another brewery open here called Grain Theory. Um, shout out to Grain Theory. Love those guys. Um, but, yeah, like, we're going to have three breweries. And it's a town that, like, in the surrounding area has 160,000 people. <laughs> and people are like, do you think you're going to be okay? And I'm like... <laughs> Guys, we'll be fine. That is literally, I mean, that's like 50,000 people per brewery for us to split up and divide. Like, I think we're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, we have towns that have like 15,000 and there's like seven breweries. Right? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's wild. But yeah. like, uh, 
when you look at the like the math and the the, the statistics that the Brewers Association throws out, like from towns like San Diego and Portland and Asheville and Denver, the more breweries there are, the busier small breweries get. Yeah, it's a destination. Yeah, like it just it's a destination, and it just it brings more attention to craft beer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so like, it's kind of a inverse relation that you would think that the more there are, the more customers we would have to divide amongst ourselves. But the more there are, the more attention that there is, which brings more drinkers. So, yeah. okay, so let's chat kind of about your you know craft beer guild and this um, craft pack that you guys have made. Um. Yeah. So two years ago. Uh, was when uh, the Texas Craft Brewers Guild said it's absolutely absurd that this you can go to a distillery and buy a bottle of whiskey and take it home. You can go to a winery and buy a bottle of wine and take it home. You can go to a brew pub and get a growler of beer and take it home. But if you have a manufacturing brewer's license, you cannot go in there and take a six-pack home. What? This was two years ago? Yeah, it's two years ago. That's crazy. Like, just bonkers. (laughs) That is bonkers, Uh, yes. Any other, like, alcohol-making establishment, manufacturing establishment, you could go in and buy alcohol and take it home. But the distributors just kind of own the state. Like, Yeah. uh, And they still kind of do. Um, But, so, the TABC kind of got together and said, what if we created our own pack? Um, and we'll just get breweries to donate into that pack. That way we have money to contribute to campaigns for uh, people running for political office who want to fight for fair and just laws for craft breweries. So we did that, and uh, we started getting money into the campaigns of people who would support um, our business and our industry, and it worked. Um, actually, uh, the representative from my district, Don Buckingham, uh, spearheaded the Beer to Go law uh, and made it happen. That's awesome. Um, so it's it was pretty cool to see like the the guild say we've got an idea, we're going to execute it. To see breweries get behind it and say, "Here's money to do fundraisers for it." Um, to sell, like to create uh, specific and individual merch to sell to raise money for this pack to get money into the account for the pack, and then watch the guild kind of execute uh, hand-picking uh, candidates to say, "Here's some money. Please fight for fair and just laws for our our, our industry." And then and then it worked. That's it was crazy. Crazy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's awesome. It's like so one now, of the few things in this world that gave me hope. Right. Seriously, that is actually hopeful. Yeah, especially, I that's mean, cool. we take a lot of that for granted, I think, in this state. Yeah. Especially we have Massachusetts, we've been told, has some of the best laws. So we're very fortunate for, for brewers and, you know. Um, you, you you mentioned, like, the... the the, t- the city being very supportive and, you know, not being worried about competition, you know, because of, you know, the amount of people that you have there. Um, but how do you capture a new audience? You know, that I'm sure that beer 
craft beer isn't the number one seller, you know, in Texas, you know, you know, um, how do you get someone who might like your, like your dad, like Miller, prefer Miller over, you know, a hazy IPA or, you know, a, a nice crispy lager or Pilsner? Um, how do you get those people in the door um, to try you when there's only three? Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's always been an uphill battle out here. Um, and it will continue to be an uphill battle out here in West Texas, even though uh, West Texas as a whole has, I mean, a fair number of breweries. But it's just you're out here dealing with a bunch of good old boys uh, and girl, good old girls who all work on ranches. They work in the oil field. Um, they work on wind turbines. And they drink beers cowboy cold. I mean, it is yeah. not uncommon to meet guys who just keep a 12 pack of Coors Light in the back of their truck, no cooler, oh. and just drink, just drink them. Oh. <laughs> uh, and so, like, they just, it's just, it's a pretty low bar to beat. Um, but if you can, get, <laughs> if you one. can, it's a pretty low bar to beat, but if you can get them in uh, and show them, like, hey, I want to talk to you about what beer can be, not beer, what you, what, what you think beer is. Yeah. Um, and you'll have these 300 pound dudes who come in and they're just like, well, what's that beer? And like, well, it's actually like what I'm drinking right now. Um, it's just a tart, heavily fruited sour beer, a kettle sour with a shit ton of fruit in it. And they drink it and they're like, this is beer. And you're like, (laughs) yeah, it's beer. And they're like, this is pretty damn good. And you're like, yeah. And so they order it over and over and over and over again. It's just being willing to like meet them where they're at yeah. and say, like, hey, I know what you like. I get that you like Coors Light, and you either want it out of the back of your truck or you want it at 28 degrees. <laughs> I understand that. Um, I, like, but, like, here, let me just, let's just take a walk down the tap line and just try some stuff and tell me what you think is fun and what you think is awful. Yeah. Um, and as long as you're willing to just meet them where they're at and not like judge them, make them feel like they're like they don't belong. Right. Uh, then they're pretty open and pretty receptive. We found it's just convincing the, convincing them that when they're standing at our bar that they belong, like there's a beer here for you. You just have to be willing to try it. So as long as they're willing to try, we're willing to sample. Uh, and then once they find the beer that they like, then We'll feed it to them all like all night. Like just <laughs> like just drink your beer and enjoy it and it shouldn't matter if it's a heavily fruited sour right. or if it's a double dry hopped IPA. Like mm. who gives a shit what you're drinking as long as you're supporting a small local Texas brewery. Yeah. And that'll really get them, especially when they come in, they're like, I just like American beer, like Coors Light. And I'm like, guys, that shit's Canadian. <laughs> yeah, or they're like they're like, I just like American beer, like Bud Light. I'm like, that shit's Brazilian, guys. It's like this shit is made right <laughs> down the block from where you live. This is Texas beer. And Texans love Texans things. Like yeah. they just love yeah. shit from Texas. Yeah. You could shit on a like you just shit a turd out and put made in Texas and Texans <laughs> would buy it. Because it's made here in Texas. Excellent. And yeah. so like as long as you can convince them that it's local, the money goes back into the local economy. Um, they're supporting a local business and just don't judge them. Just meet them where they're at and let them try whatever. Then we found mm. them pretty receptive. 
cool. That this was pretty perfect. Sound bite. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, definitely. <laughs> that sure. was perfect. I love that. Do you um do you find yourself um you know making those you know light loggers to accommodate that crowd or do you you know you mentioned the heavily fruited sours um do you do you always have like a light lager on tap or absolutely uh so earlier i mentioned that we poke fun at our name like we have shirts that like phonetically tell people how to pronounce our name uh to con- to make make matters worse for us we actually have a lager that we call the sock the lager Uh, (laughs) it's just yes an american lager that's uh, i don't know like 30 percent corn and the rest is just german pilsner malt and yeah uh whatever cheap hop is around Uh, (laughs) and we just we lager it like we traditionally lager it we uh, it takes about six weeks for us to produce and uh, when we have it we have it when we don't we don't um but outside of that it's either a lager or a blonde ale that we push Primarily, like, hey, yeah. if you like Coors Light, here's this. Like, and based off that, um, it's kind of our springboard of like, all right, tell me what you think of this. Is this absolutely detestable to you? Like, it's just <laughs> you're just not feeling this, mm-hmm. or like, do you want to try some other stuff? And so, yeah, so you just we've got light beers that we kind of uh, brew just to accommodate uh, the people who can, who come in and bring their friends in who aren't craft beer drinkers. Yeah. Um, or who come in with their their partner uh, and just say, "Hey, we've never been here and we don't drink craft beer. What do you have?" Nice. Which is fairly common out here. Yeah. Just of couples coming in and saying, "Hey, we heard there was a brewery. We thought it sounded fun. We drink Michelob Ultra. What do you have?" <laughs> like that. Yeah. Right. Right. Look, right. But we look them dead in the face and we say, "We have absolutely nothing like that." But <laughs> if you're willing to sit down, like I'll give you a flight. And if you like it, you can pay for it. If you don't, then cool. Like, yeah, we'll shake hands and like, maybe next time. Thanks I don't for trying. Know. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. That's a really so cool. We just kind of we just do our best to meet people where they're mm-hmm. at, and majority of the time, people are like, "Man, this was fun. We had a lot of fun," and they'll order a pint of something that was on that flight. Mm-hmm. Um, That's cool. So we do that, and we also make hard seltzer to accommodate. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> We are. It's literally like it's printing taking your own over. Money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it is printing your own money. I don't know why any brewery in the nation isn't making their own hard seltzer because it's literally printing your own money. <laughs> yeah, we there. Yes. There's some reasons I'm sure that there's inner yeah, pride. I, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, but I agree. I know. I think it's a. It's just like making an IPA, a hazy New England yeah. IPA, right? Because it's just gonna pay your bills. Just, it just is what it is. Yeah. The haze pays. The haze does pay. Uh, we're fortunate enough out here, like, to be honest, I'm not like a huge hazy IPA Neither fan. Neither are we, so don't worry. <laughs> like, don't, like, don't get me wrong, like, there are some hazy IPAs you just objectively drink, and you're like, this is a spectacle to behold. Oh, of course. And yep. then of after course. one of them, you're like, every hazy IPA tastes just like this one. Weird. Uh, <laughs> like after your first one, they all taste the same. Like you're just your tongue is so hot burnt, it just doesn't really matter. Um, so we're kind of suckers for traditional styles. Um, we've got the the guys that we buy our all of our malt from out here, uh, Pro Brew Supply. Um, I was listening to one of their podcasts one time. They're like, "You tell me where you can find a Texas brew that's that's got a brown ale on tap right now." I called him and I was like, hey, Stubby, it's James at Sock Dogger. I got a fucking brown owl on right yes. now. Yes. <laughs> because, uh, like, why not? Like, it's just 
shit you can't find anywhere else. And, yeah. We yeah, love we just, that, those styles, those classic English yeah. styles. I mean, we don't find them very much here either, and it's it's cool when you do. And then, like, the yeah. breweries that do it, usually f- they fucking slap. Like, they're yes. so good. Yeah, we just, we want to drink what we want to drink, and we want to give people a variety. Like, you also educate uh, them, it seems like, too. Yeah, like, you give them a variety, and you tell them, like, hey, beer is not this thing that you think it is, especially out here. Like, people have a very narrow view of what beer is. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> and so you, like, we have 20 taps. Uh, and so we tell people like, Hey, like there's something here for you. Just give us a chance. Uh, and whether it's a, a blonde ale or an amber ale, uh, we typically have between two and three IPAs on, uh, I like IPAs like standard dry West coast IPAs. Yeah. Um, one of which is probably a hazy IPA because it's 2020. Yep. <laughs> um, we do sour beers when we have the time cause we just, we kettle, we don't, we don't ferment sour like we just kettle sour and then we ferment ferment with brewer's yeast. Um, so tying up my my boil kettle for three days or two days while I'm souring is kind of tough. Of course. Um, and then outside of that, it's just kind of traditional styles. Like we are one of our flagships is a session oatmeal stout. Wow. Because I want to drink a session. I want to drink a session oatmeal stout. I love like, that. Like it's a four percent. Uh, wow most like 40 percent oatmeal grist stout and it's light and drinkable and crushable uh and people are like why doesn't your stout have more alcohol in it i'm like because i don't want to drink that (laughs) like (laughs) it's not what i want to drink i feel like that's all you see too yeah yeah. it's It's like it's not what i want you to drink like i want you to have three of them i want you to order (laughs) three of these not one of them and go home Right. Yeah. Right. Hey, do you uh, see uh, session IPAs uh, growing in Texas at all, or sessionable beers in general? Uh, sessionable beers, yes. Session IPAs, no. Interesting. <laughs> um, I'm a. I mean, we play the Desert Island beer with friends all the time, and I have friends that give me shit because my Desert Island beer never changes. It'd be all day IPA, every day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for the rest of my yeah. life. Like that's it's. A perfect beer in my mind. Like, it is absolutely perfect. Um, and I I just think it's a great beer. But, like, we've made Session IPAs, and people are like, why is it so bitter? <laughs> I'm like, guys, it's an IPA. Like, yeah. but, but it says it's only 4%. Why is yeah. it so bitter? I'm just like, guys, I'm like, it, it is what it is. And I can't help that you <laughs> ordered a Session IPA and didn't know what a Session I'm IPA sorry. was. Like, uh, so like it's just I don't know standard taproom crap that everybody deals with, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Like session beers are are getting bigger here. I mean, Lone Lone Star, the national beer of Texas, yeah. yep. uh, released Lone Star twenty four seven, which is a two point seven percent version what? of Lone Star. Yeah, that says something. Yeah, it's a uh, it's happening. I mean, PBR has a session PBR yep. here. Yep. Uh, yep. It's it's a thing out here. Like people want out like beers that they can drink. Well, it's so hot, yeah, right? Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's hotter. Yeah, it's just a billion degrees out here. <laughs> it's it's. Uh, oh, continue. Sorry. Oh no, I was gonna say, but like we also have a lot of drinkers who want. We make an imperial stout that we keep on fairly regu- regularly. It's uh, we call it Battle Rattle. <laughs> um. Nikki's Air Force, uh, and I remember him saying, like, you know, you're out there in the desert, and 
like you're just carrying around your battle rattle all day and i was like that's just a great beer name yes <laughs> um, so our, our big imperial stout is 10 percent um with uh vanilla and chocolate like cacao nibs mm. and uh coffee um and it's it sells. The exact, it's the exact opposite that I want. That I would ever. <laughs> I never ever go in and think. You know what I want today? Battle rattle. Stout. Yes. Uh, like never. It could be December thirty first, and it's twenty degrees outside. I don't want it. Um, <laughs> Is it ever twenty degrees outside? I was about to say. Does it, that happen? It does. It does. Oh, okay. That's cool. <laughs> um, it does. Uh, but like we have. Tons of people. It's one of our top five brands. Like we That's just sell crazy. shit. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, and then also like our uh, friends down the road, Pappy's. Like their top two brands are a cream ale and a uh, imperial porter with sh- with vanilla in it. And yeah. they call it Stripper Dust. Which is <laughs> just an Jeez. amazing beer name as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, solid. Cream ale is such a, in my opinion, such an underrated beer. It's like agreed. Yeah. It uh, is, but it's also one of those beers. Like, why would you ever make it? Because PBR wins it every year at GBF. So yeah. why would you try and do why anything even? better? Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> um, you mentioned saying uh, temperature, and it's hot there. But you mentioned twenty degrees, and then you also mentioned lagering. Um, do you have trouble with temperature control of your beer, or just because everything's central air, glycol cooled? Um, do you guys not really have that much of an issue? No, our glycol machine's a pretty good workhorse. Yep. Um, so it's pretty easy for us to to lager stuff like. Our Oktoberfest is lagering right now. Um, we make exactly two lagers a year. The Sokka lager, which is relatively regular. Uh, when it runs out, if it's not done lagering, then it's just not on draft. Um, and it'll come back when it comes back. And if it goes away, it goes away. Hmm. Um, and then Is that just because the, of, of tank space? I mean, six weeks? You just yeah, don't just wanna, tank yeah. space. Like I just can't eat up two tanks to make enough. So if it runs out and there's still another week and a half on the next tank of it, then you just have to wait. Sorry, mm-hmm. guys. And most customers are cool about it, but um, we also make an Oktoberfest that we lager for four weeks, five weeks, um, just depending on when I think it's ready, um, that we call Socktoberfest. <laughs> um, and so that's about to come out of the tank, and those are the only two things that we lager. Everything else is just ales that we rip through at 68, 70, 74 degrees. Nice. How many tanks do you have? Two 15 barrels, two seven barrels, three five barrels, and then two seven barrel bright tanks and a 15 barrel bright tank. Yeah, so you have a lot you're just going through constantly. Yeah, we turn over pretty quick. Yeah, hmm. yeah. What's a brew day for you guys? Is it a double a double batch day or usually just one batch a day? Um, Right now during COVID, we're brewing like twice a week. So it's yeah. kind of slowed down a little bit because we can't sell to bars because bars aren't open. Restaurants are open. And they're only open at 50% here, so we're selling half as much beer. Um, so things have slowed down a little bit. Um, so we, we just kind of keep stock a little low, keep it keep our overhead and what we have invested in liquid as low as we can. Um, and then... Uh, but typically, now now that we're about to get into canning, um, we're hoping that that ramps up and we can start sending cans out uh, fairly frequently. Uh, we, we'll only can two beers to start. Um, yeah. Our Blondale and our uh, year-round IPA, which is Addy Sue, and it's a single malt, single hot beer. Nice. So Nice. Yeah. Um, so that is, that's all we'll send out. So I imagine we'll be 
cranking those through the fermenters pretty quick. Yeah. So with, with uh, the canning, are you going to be doing self uh, distro or are you going to be going through a, a, a separate distributor? Yeah, how does uh, that work had, in Texas? Uh, yeah, uh, you can <laughs> self distribute. Uh, I mean, pretty much as much as you want, as far as you want. Um, and you can get label approval on anything, and you don't have to have TTV approval in the wow. state of Texas to sell anything. That's cool. So, like, as long as we have, <laughs> as long as the state of, state of Texas says, yeah, you're okay on these products, then they don't give a shit what TABC says, or uh, TTV says. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so that's cool. Um, so we don't have to worry about all that. Uh, but you can distribute, self-distribute as much as you want for as far as you want, as long as it's within the borders of Texas. Um, yep. We work with a distributor, a local distributor here in Abilene um, that recently within the last year or two has partnered with another distributor up in Lubbock. Um, so they're about to start taking our stuff to Lubbock and Amarillo. But we, they handle our stuff for Abilene, Sweetwater, Brownwood, and San Angelo, um, and then the surrounding area. So we're in, I don't know. 10 or 12 counties right that's now. That's cool, though. Nice. That's awesome. Congrats. Yeah. Uh, and they're, I mean, they're small and local, and uh, they're super easy to work with, especially when you say, like, hey, you've got five accounts who support your brand, and they call you and, like, hey, we want something special. Yeah. Can we get a one-off? Uh, it's really easy to call down the road and be like, I got two kegs coming to you, and they have to go here mm -hmm. and here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's pretty, that's it, awesome. makes, it makes life pretty easy. So in the meantime, um, how have you been getting your beer out? Are you doing growlers? Um, are people allowed to drink at your tap room right now? Or No, we can't have people on premise drinking right now. We're yeah. hoping that'll change in the next week or two. Um, was, that, was, that pulled, was that pulled back or were you guys allowed at one point? Uh, yeah, we got open for about six weeks um, after the first shutdown, which was... I guess middle of May. Yeah. Uh, we got open again. Um, and then they shut us down about six weeks after that. Uh, and the first shutdown wasn't bad because we had, uh, I don't know, government assistance and gotcha. uh, PPP money and stuff. And now yeah. it's the, we're just shut down and there is no assistance. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> so we're doing to go as best we can. We can still, uh, we still distribute out to the restaurants yeah. So the bars aren't open. The bars can't be anything that's over a 51% establishment. So Texas decides if you're a bar or a restaurant as to whether what is 51% of your sales, food or alcohol. Oh. And if you sell 51% of your sales or alcohol, then you're a bar. If 51% of your sales are food, then you're a restaurant. That, that seems makes such a crazy no line. sense. Yeah. yeah. Because right? you make all of your money right. on alcohol. Yeah. yeah. So, of course, That's you want it more crazy. than 51%. Oh, yeah. So, what geez. is like McDonald's open? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's completely backcrackers that, I mean, we're. Oh, it's tough. We're in downtown Abilene and we can't open, but there are. One, two, three, four, five. Five restaurants downtown that you can walk in and sit down and have a beer in and then pay out what? and leave. Like you don't have, right? you don't have to order food or anything. Uh, and so that's we're so just frustrating. like we're just like, what's the difference? Like, <laughs> well, you know, right. and, and I was saying that up here is when all of like the restaurants in New Hampshire and in Massachusetts were opening, is like all these people aren't going there to get food. 
they're just going there to get drinks. Yeah. yeah. And I see that for uh, uh, firsthand. Yeah. They go, they order drinks, they they might order like a fry, you know, a like fry. a side of fry, right? Yeah. And just then a they'll single leave. Fry. Yes. A single fry. A singular fry. fry. <laughs> um, on on Instagram, I, I see Texas breweries having a mixture between the 12 ounce can and the 16 ounce can. What are you guys, um, what are you guys canning in? Uh, we're gonna do 12 ounce cans. Yeah. Uh, is that popular? Is that really that popular is that a Texas in Texas? Thing? Like, yeah. Uh, no. Uh, it's a West Texas thing. Uh, so because craft beer isn't as pervasive out here as it is in say Houston or Austin or Dallas, like if you go there and there's craft breweries canning stuff there, then they're primarily 16 ounce four packs. Yep. Yeah. Um, out of their tap room and in distro, it's all 16 ounce four packs. Yeah. Uh, but out here, if you're going to do a 16 ounce four pack and it's, I don't know, nine ninety nine or eleven ninety nine or ten ninety nine or whatever your four pack is, and then there's another craft brewer twelve ounce six pack sitting there for the <laughs> exact same price. Yep. Then they say, Well, there's more beers right. here. So they'll buy the more beers. Yep. So our distributor yes. was just like, Please don't do sixteen ounce cans. Just don't. Um he, <laughs> Our, the guy who owns the distributorship, his name's Derek. Uh, uh, he's a really cool, open, and honest guy. And he's just like, dude, he's like, you can do 16 ounces and we can push it and we can figure out a way to make it work. He's like, but you will sell so much more beer mm-hmm. if you just do six packs just at a little higher it. price point. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, he's like, because people just see four beers, six beers. And then, <laughs> like, yeah. They don't, they don't care. So. So we'll, nice. the the machine that we bought is extremely versatile. It'll do a little eight ounce stubbies, twelve ounce, sixteen ounce, and nineteen point twos. Eight ounce. What? Yeah, a little eight ounce stubbies. Have you never seen those? No, we have. I mean, Miller, right? barely ever. Like I think I've maybe seen them yeah. in like I don't know, like V8? Instagram no, posts or something. They're pretty stinking awesome. Uh, there's a couple <laughs> breweries out here uh, that do the eight ounce stubbies, but it's only like their imperial stouts. Oh, that's such a good okay. idea. So that's not a bad idea. That, I hate opening a 16-ounce can of Imperial Stout. Right? Same. I open that, and I'm like, ugh. Oh, I just yeah. had a lot to drink. Or like a fucking, <laughs> like a fucking it, bomber. Like, yeah. Right, oh. right. I'm so glad I bombers just, are gone. Yeah. Death to bombers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're, okay. they're doing stuff like that. Well, so like cool. it, it frees us up to, to do some stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Um, you mentioned a couple of your beers, but what's your flagship? What's the best seller? Our best seller is our Blondale. It's the five and dime. Uh, it just we're kind of uh, I don't want to say like retro brand or anything like that, but um, our name is from an old. It's an old 1920s slang word, and so we've just kind of run with like a 1920s kind of vibe uh, to everything. And so like we really pushed. Like our flagship beer is just like a five and nine, like a quarter store, like just something you can always find. It's always there. Yeah. Um, and so we just we kind of ran with that, but our blind mail is easily our best seller out here. Cool. Which That's is like, awesome. which is like the most like anticlimactic thing you want. Like I imagine <laughs> up there, like it's whatever whatever hazy IPA is. Yeah, yeah is, pretty much. Is, yeah, is, it's like, all right. I'm crushing a blonde ale right now. I had two of them and four point three percent. Yeah, so. 
Uh, and we, then we close like close behind that is our American adjunct logger, the sock the logger. Yeah, <laughs> so pretty pretty fizzy and yellow out here. Yep. Yep. But so, still good beers. Uh, tell us more of your name. We didn't actually discuss that. So how did that come about? You just like flipping through a dictionary and like, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> uh so like we when we were brewing in the garage, we we made beer and when you're brewing like every weekend or twice a weekend, you can't, I mean, you could, and we tried, but you can't drink it all yourself. Like that's just <laughs> a fuck ton of beer. Right, right. Uh, so we would uh, have new uh, new folks who just arrived at the base here in Abilene at Dias Air Force Base. We'd have them over and give them some beer and uh, tell them like cool restaurants to go to, what they need to know about Abilene, hang out with them, make them feel a little bit welcome. That's cool. Um, and so one day we're there, we're doing that, we're growing hamburgers and stuff, and uh, Nick finds this uh, YouTube music station called Postmodern Jukebox or something, and so we started listening to that, which led us looking up to, like 1920 slang words, and we found this word called Sock Dolliger, and we started <laughs> calling like the Saturdays that we did that, we started calling them Sock Dolliger Saturdays, and it just means like something exceptional or great. Um, it's really primary use was the last punch in a boxing match was called the sock dollar punch. That's where we get sock them in the mouth from. Nice. Uh, okay. Wow. Yeah, fun yeah. facts. I like that. Yeah, fun facts for you. Yep. <laughs> um, so when we decided to open a brewery, it only seemed natural to kind of name it after what it grew out of, which was sock dollar Saturdays. So we yeah. called them sock dollar. We called it sock dollar brewing company. That's nice. awesome. Um, and that was the only just, name you never had like a plan B name. Nope, nope. We were. Uh, we don't get that story very often, yeah. so we just kind of doubled down. Cool. You know, we're yeah. like, this is it. two this weeks is in a line. row. That's it. Yeah, two weeks in a row. That's crazy. Yeah. So I want to get to know. You kind of answered it a little bit, but um, do you have a guilty pleasure beer? Uh, define guilty pleasure. Like so, like Miller. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something you uh, get, like, always is a Genesee cream ale. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I feel guilty about anything that I drink, but uh, I do drink a fair amount of Miller High Life. Um, it is, in fact, the champagne of beers. Um, when you're, you know, coming up with recipes, are you food motivated, or is it something like, you know, where do you come up with recipes for beer? Uh, so like the like I mentioned earlier that we had a brown ale on tap uh, a few weeks ago. And a lot of it for me is just like, what can I fucking find on a shelf right now? <laughs> uh, so like, I wanted a brown ale. I don't know why I wanted a brown ale, uh, and I was really frustrated that I couldn't find one on the on the shelf. So I just made a brown ale. Uh, I have a session oatmeal stout on because I want a stout that I want to drink, whether it's 100 degrees or 20 degrees. Um, and then we have pretty vocal customers who are like, man. I had this beer, it'd be really cool if we had something like that here. Or um, our bartenders say, like, what if we did this with beer? So, like, we take our Blondale, um, and I'll make a double batch of it. And once it's done fermenting, I'll split it in two, and I'll keg up just standard Blondale. And then the other uh, the other half of it, I just dry hop with, as embarrassing as it is, a fuck ton of Fruity Pebbles. Like, a fuck ton of it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, That's awesome. And we just call it the Bam Bam Blonde. Uh, oh my god! Bam yes. Bam Blonde. That's people, great. People, 
people just freaking lose their minds for it here. Yep. So cool. it's one of those, it's just, <laughs> like, if some of them are just stupid, like, people like it, and why wouldn't we make it? Because it's fun. And right. some of it's just like, I can't, I can't find this beer on a shelf to save my life, so I want one. Um, and a lot of the second half of that is like, I can't find English Miles, I can't find Brown Ales, I can't find uh, a decent non-hoppy porter or something like that, so I just I just make one because um, I'm I'm kind of a I'm kind of a, a hooker for just classic English styles. Yeah, we are too. Like just put a I don't know old speckled hen or. Ooh. Fuller's Pride in front of me, like, and just take my money. Like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I don't care what it is. That's great. That's great. Um, if you were to describe the Texas craft scene um, in a couple words, what would it be? The Texas craft scene is. Uh, we stumped it. It's incredibly diverse. Cool. Okay. Uh, we've got Hazy Boy Makers. We've got. Classic. I mean, we've got like a uh, division brewing in Arlington that all they do is make just styles to perfection. Like they don't fuck around with any whatever's trendy. They're just like, if we made a English IPA, it is to style an English IPA. Um, and they're just like, this is what we do, and we don't care what's trendy. <laughs> uh, we've got breweries like Turning Point that make hazy IPAs that just kind of boggle the mind with how hoppy they are and how delicious they are. When you drink one, you're like, how the fuck did you do this? <laughs> like, how did you get that much in one beer? And, and it still tastes it's good. A, and it's still incredible. Yeah. Um, you've got Weathered Souls down in Houston, uh, which I'm sure you all have heard that name recently. Yeah, they, yeah. They're yeah. the ones who pioneered the Black is Beautiful. Yeah, um, yeah. Marcus Baskerville down there is making some incredible pastry stouts and stuff like that. I just want like four ounces of and no more. <laughs> um, but they are just objectively incredible. Is how like how they put that into a liquid. It's just yeah. super cool. Um, and then you get out into just all over Texas, and there's uh, some killer lager houses here, uh, just down the road from us, and. Like li- actual little, like literal middle of nowhere, Texas, Cisco, Texas. Uh, there's a brewery called Red Gap Brewing that's just making killer lagers. Um, that's just awesome. clean, like, and that's all they really make. They have one double IPA that they can, and so now the rest of their lineup <laughs> is an American adjunct, a Mexican lager, a Bach lager. Nice. Uh, like they just lager, love lager. It. Love it's it, just, love it. Just crispy boys on crispy boys, yes. and they're just killing it. Uh, awesome. So like it's just incredibly diverse of just a bunch of breweries of just people out here just doing whatever the fuck they want, nice. uh, and that's awesome. cool to see. It's just like the, like a group of people or a group of breweries saying like this is what we want to make and this is what we're gonna make, and if you don't want to buy it, then just don't fucking buy it. If you want to buy it, this is where we're at and this is how much it is. That's so cool because uh, it seems like that's actually working. I feel like up here we've had breweries try that and they eventually they have to make an IPA. Yeah. Because they just they need to stay in business. Yeah, yeah, and so. that's it's creeping out here. Like, yep. you won't find a brewery in uh, DFW or Austin or Houston that isn't appeasing the masses somehow. Of course, yeah. Um, but like, but those Cal are like Town, destinations, right? Yeah, like Caltown and Fort Worth is a fairly large brewery. 
uh, a logger house and they have an IPL, they won't they don't they won't make an IPA. They have an IPL line that's, that's and a it's a hoppy logger. Yeah. And so like here's something hoppy, but it's not an IPA. Like yeah, yeah. that's really uh, cool. Yeah. So yeah, it's, there's something for everybody out here. You just just gotta bounce around. Yeah. Uh, do you have a perfect food and bear, beer pairing? I do that every week. I say bear. What is wrong with that? <laughs> you have a, a perfect food and uh, beer pairing. So a few weeks back, or that's probably a couple months ago, we did a pairing with a company here in town. They do grazing boards. Is that like a thing up there? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like grazing tables and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and she can get a hold of a lot of cool cheeses. Um, and I think one of the like most surprising pairings that I've had in a while where I like took a bite and was like, shit, uh, was this like incredibly funky, stinky gorgonzola that was just great on its own with a, on a slice of pear that was paired with, uh, just a Saison that we made. Mm. And it was like just all over the map. It was sweet. It was funky. It was dry. It was farmhousey. It was just kind of all over the place. That sounds amazing. And I think that's kind of what's fun for me is like I want a food pairing that like takes me from one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum. Uh, so that was that was super super cool uh, to kind of taste and kind of reinvigorate sometimes you just kind of get bogged down in the craft beer world and for sure come across that one pairing where you're like oh this is this is why i do this this is fun <laughs> yeah um yeah. so lately that's probably been the most like fun and interesting thing that's come across my palate that we may or may not have done a couple times more <laughs> yeah. uh that's in, awesome in our house so <laughs> yes yes um which when you say that it sounds really I wish I could say it was just something simple and easy, but <laughs> it, it, it was awesome. Yeah. No, that's super cool. Yeah. We want our, our listeners to follow you guys and find out more about you guys that you might not have found out on this episode. Um, where are you guys located on the internet? And then for any of our listeners that hopefully in the future are able to travel to, to Texas um, and, you know, drive two and a half hours to go see you guys or wherever. Well, who are in Texas. Yeah, who are in Texas. Well, um, we do have an airport in Abilene, believe it what? or not. Hell There's yeah. only three flights a day yes. from Abilene to DFW, three times a day, and that is it. But oh, we have an airport here because the uh, the American Airlines, uh, like their little pu- puddle jumpers, the American Eagle, like small planes, Yes. The uh, maintenance facility is right here in Abilene, oh, Texas, for all up. of them. Fancy. So know that when you're flying into Abilene, you are flying on a plane that is coming here to get repaired. And when you're leaving <laughs> Abilene, you're flying out on a plane that has just been repaired. Oh, Ooh, so it's better to fly wow. out of Abilene. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. So you got, you got that going amazing. for you. Cool. But it's a quick 30-minute flight from DFW to Abilene. Um, Pretty safe, then, hopefully. But Only 30 minutes. <laughs> you can find us online at uh, com. Uh, we're on Facebook at Sockdolliger Brewing Company and Instagram at Sockdolliger BC. Uh, and if you're ever in Abilene, come check us out at 833 South First Street in Abilene, Texas. It's the biggest building on South First. You can't miss us. So. <laughs> cool. Well, all right, guys. Thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, it was a lot no of fun. No problem. Yeah. One, one last question, though. What are you most proud of? And that one is super open-ended. 
<laughs> what am I most proud of? Um, I think right now I am most proud of my community here in Abilene. Cool. Aww. That's an awesome uh, answer. We have uh, just a horde of people who are literally bending over backwards to ask what they can do to help keep our doors open right now. That is so um, awesome. And so we, uh, we're we really proud of that. We're really proud of Abilene's um, just fierce independent spirit to say, like, no, this is our, these are our breweries and they're not going anywhere. Um, so, yeah, that's it's really humbling to see that when uh, you post uh, on social media and say, like, hey, guys, like, here's where we're at. We're just being upfront and honest of uh, what the status of our brewery is right now. Um, and we really need you guys to come out and support. And then they come out and support. Um, That's amazing. So right now, like, awesome. we're just really proud to be a part of this community and this town, um, of uh, just a place who takes care of their own. Well, that's awesome. That's such a good answer. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, you guys, you guys just heard James. Um, we want to thank you guys for coming out and doing this tonight because um, you're our first Texas brewery. Yeah. On the podcast. Woo-hoo. Hell yeah. 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 And uh, <laughs> you'll talk a, to a lot of Texas brewers and know a lot more than me. Trust no, me. No, no, no. This no. is the best one for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and we just wanted to let you. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to do this. I mean, um, and we, we appreciate. We it. hope to share a pint with you soon down the road. Yeah, let's do it, man. Next time y'all are in town, or next time if y'all are ever in <laughs> exactly. Middle of Texas, <laughs> you're right. Us. You're right. Next time we're gonna next be there. Time. I like that. I like that for sure. Road trip. Road trip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Just let us know, guys. All right. For sure. Well, James, take care, and uh, make sure you guys follow them on Instagram and social yep. media. Cheers, Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Hey everyone, thank you guys for listening to our episode with our new friend James from Sockdologer. Where's uh, Sockdologer, Ryan? Abilene, Texas. You know, the only reason I know now how to say that is because our friend Jazz reminded us that it's in the movie Red River, which is a John Wayne classic, and he's going on his way down to Abilene. Duh. Duh. Well, I know that. Oh. Well, I, now it just makes me kind of want to watch that movie. And now, like, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Um, but if you guys are looking for something to do other than watch Red River and hear John Wayne say that, we have a back catalog of like 130 episodes, almost, right? Um, I'm gonna say an exact number of 125. Wow, that's crazy. And you know what helps when somebody discovers that catalog and they leave a comment? Because we've gotten some of those recently, and it feels great to hear that. And it also helps us nab even more interviews. Absolutely. And also, if you want to get a shout-out, you write a review, we'll, we'll shout give you, you a out. Shout out. Absolutely. That's right. And it only helps us. You know, No matter what you say, it only helps us improve. Yeah. If you like it, awesome. If you don't, let us know. Yeah, we always and want to improve. we will always want to improve. That's right. So next week, we have an awesome interview. We are going to be interviewing five different breweries this upcoming week in western massachusetts so we're going to be giving you a feel of western massachusetts and next week we have an on-site interview at small pond studio that we're not going to tell you about because it's, it's a returning guest it's a returning guest which returning you might already know about because of our social media yeah, today that means that people just know what we're talking about so Great. um it's going to be one of those six interviews that we're doing in the next week guy ran you better get editing oh boy and erica will be back next week and everyone loves erica yeah yeah all right so until next week cheers cheers